Edge of Gladiators. Welcome to our new podcast tonight. We are so honored to have Eric Francis back with us to debunk the myth, or maybe it's an alternative fact. I don't know, but we'll find out tonight of DOK, Depth of Knowledge. And so we titled this podcast uh, The Will of Misfortune. So, Eric, thank you so much for coming back to Edge of Gladiators podcast tonight. Thank you for having me. We had a great time last time. I had some really good feedback on it, and I'm glad I can be back again. Absolutely. And for those of you that are watching for the first time, you may not know that Eric is a published author and a great friend of mine and so excited to have him on uh, tonight to talk about depth of knowledge because that's definitely his area of expertise. Uh, Eric, would you like to tell everyone about your book? Sure. My book's called Now That's a Good Question, How to Promote Cognitive Rigor Through Classroom Questioning. It just came out from ASCD this past July. It's doing pretty well. Um, I've gotten some pretty good speaking engagements out of it. I've presented a number of conferences. And in my book, what I talk about is how can we rephrase uh, standards and objectives and learning targets into good questions that promote cognitive rigor. And cognitive rigor is about demonstrating high-order thinking as categorized by Bloom's Revised Taxonomy and communicating depth of knowledge as designated by the levels of Webb's depth of knowledge model, which is what we're here to talk about tonight. Absolutely. And, you know, as a former principal, depth of knowledge and rigor and questioning is all are always, you know, hot topics in education in every school building in every district. So I really think that those of you that are listening in tonight or maybe you're watching the replay as well, will get some great information out of tonight's podcast and also some wonderful resources and ideas to help your teachers and help your school really dig into what depth of knowledge is and, and asking, asking the right questions. So without further ado, Eric, we're going to jump right into tonight's chat. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. So first question for tonight to start us off is what is, uh, or how did the depth of knowledge will actually originate? Is it myth? Is it urban legend? How do we ever get to know about this wheel? Well, the wheel you're talking about, I'm going to show everyone this, is that probably everyone has been given this as part of their um, trainings for the Common Core Standards or College and Career Ready Standards. And I'm going to share the screen really quick here. And if you guys just uh, excuse me one sure. second. So the wheel you're talking about is this thing. Now, probably many of us have, whoops, probably many of us have received this as part of our Common Core training. Well, the truth of the matter is this. It is not an accurate depiction of depth of knowledge. Right here explains why it's not an accurate depiction of depth of knowledge. Because depth of knowledge is not about the verbs. Depth of knowledge, if you look at a standard, is about what comes after the verbs. If Bloom's taxonomy is about cognition, the type of thinking, even the kind of knowledge that students need to demonstrate, depth of knowledge is about the context, the scenario, the setting, or situation in which students will demonstrate and communicate the depth and extent of their learning. But we were given this poster, and the, the, the rumors behind it, and basically the, the story behind it, is that this poster right here was actually created by a third grade teacher in Florida. 
Depth of Knowledge was first designed in 1997 in a paper by Norman, Dr. Norman Webb, who created this tool to align the complexity of standards and assessments. And he did this because for years, since 1992, when we started having standards-based instruction, standard-based assessment, our students were demonstrating different levels of thinking, but they were not demonstrating the depth and extent of their learning. How can they transfer and use what they've learned? So Webb came up with this tool called Depth of Knowledge. It was originally for assessments, and particularly in the areas of math and science, in which students would express and share the depth and extent of their learning in different contexts. And also, what they would do is they would basically be, um, sorry, one second, as, I, as I'm trying to do this with this type of screen right now. Sorry about that, technical difficulties, please. You're stand. fine, you're fine. So, so basically, this was a tool to do assessment on a standards alignment. He originally developed it to make sure that our standards and our assessments were aligned. And that's what psychometricians and test developers were using to make sure the complexity between both were aligned. Now, Florida, with their FCATs, which was their state assessment in 2004, they started incorporating depth of knowledge. But there was no graphic for it. And as we know in education, we need a graphic. So what happened was, when I, the story I heard about it was this, is that a third grade teacher in Florida created that wheel and put it on the internet and said, this is depth of knowledge. And then four years later, when we were all were doing training and transitioning to the Common Core State Standards and College and Career Ready Standards, we were told that these standards and their assessments were going to um, assess student learning based upon their ability to demonstrate higher order thinking as categorized by Bloom's and communicate depth of knowledge as designated by Webb's depth of knowledge model. Well, there was no graphic for it. So there was a Department of Education in one of the states that adopted Common Core that went online and did a Google search and they found that wheel and they incorporated it into their trainings and they made that poster. And what happened was, was the 45 other states who were looking to see what their colleagues were doing and professional development people like you and me were looking for a graphic for depth of knowledge. So they found this wheel and this poster from this Department of Education and that's how this poster has saturated into the American education system as being the defining model for depth of knowledge, but it's not a credible source. In fact, I'm gonna show you real quick again, I'm gonna go share my screen again and put up the, uh, the poster. There is a link at the bottom of this poster, whoops, there's a link at the bottom of this poster in which if you go to it, it's a dead link. It's not even active. Whoops, sorry about that again. It's not even active. I went on this link and it goes to the University of Wisconsin and it's a dead link. It's not to Web's web alignment tool. That's a whole different um, website and a whole different link. So basically, this is a false document and we're all using it. And that's why there's so much confusion as to what is exactly depth of knowledge. So Eric, hold on, let me get this straight now. And I, I've been in education for almost 20 years. I've certainly seen this wheel. And what you're saying is that the, the wheel or depth of knowledge is not just the verbs. 
It's not the verbs. It's not the verbs at all. So I can use the word describe, and I can say describe where you live. That's a DOK one. And I can say describe how to get to your house. That's a DOK two. Describe how and why your neighborhood is structured the way it is. That's a depth of knowledge three. And depth of knowledge four would be describe how you would redesign and redevelop your neighborhood to meet uh, modern uh, criteria and expectations. So you see how that goes? Same verb, but different context. Wow. I, I have been guilty. And, and I, you see me looking to the side. It's because we have our live chat feature going on right now, too. So for those of you that are here live with us, please feel free to type in your comments, type in any questions that you have for Eric. Uh, or myself, uh, mainly Eric, <laughs> this is his area of expertise, but type in any questions or thoughts that you have and we'll be sure to uh, to read those out and ask those questions. So uh, as I was saying, I am definitely guilty of saying, hey, this is the depth of knowledge, Will, and if we're asking questions with these stems, starting off with these questions or these action verbs, you know, we're we're asking our students rigorous questions. Well, see, that's the thing. You're not guilty because basically this is what we've been given. This is what we've been given in our trainings. Um, there is a blog that Dr. John Walkup, who was one of the people who worked on the cognitive rigor matrix, he interviewed Norman Webb. And if uh, you look it up, Dr. John Walkup, W-A-L-K-U-P, he, talk, he talked to Norman Webb, who refuted the wheel. And Karen Hess, who came up with the Hess matrix and the whole concept of cognitive rigor, she calls it the wheel of misfortune. And I've been out there, mostly through my book and also through my professional development training, saying this wheel is not accurate. Also, what's interesting about depth of knowledge is that how it was originally designed, it was meant to be a resource and a tool for assessment. It was meant to measure the complexity of items and tasks and uh, activities students were expected to perform on an assessment. It's not so much an instructional tool, which is something I also found was limiting with it, and which also Karen has addressed with her cognitive rigor matrix. But at the same time, we're trying to create these instructional learning experiences using depth of knowledge, and it's basically a tool for assessment. Whoa. To assessment, not necessarily for questioning. Well, that's the whole thing is that when it comes to questioning, and that's what my book discusses about what is a good question. And in fact, if you look at assessments, they're not even asking questions. I mean, they ask a multiple choice question. That's not really a question. What that is basically is you demonstrating higher order thinking that you recognize the correct answer from the three distractors. If you look at math assessments, everything is written as a directive and imperative sentence. They're items, they're tasks, and that's what depth of knowledge did. They looked at the item and they looked at the task and basically measured it based upon its complexity and also its abstractness, not only in the, in the item, but also in the type of response you can give. So for example, if you can solve a math problem multiple different ways, that would be more so a DOK3 because you're using multiple different ways and multiple different steps. But the item itself, it's really hard to categorize it from an instructional standpoint as DOK1, DOK2, or DOK3, or even DOK4, because it's not meant for instruction. It's meant to, to basically align standards and assessments for their complexity. We need a tool for depth of knowledge that's for instruction, and that's what I talk about, and that's actually what I design and introduce in my book. 
So we have uh, Kimberly Hayes. Kimberly, hey, thank you for joining in tonight. And she is typing in our live chat feature. Again, if anyone wants to type in, ask any questions, if you're live with us tonight, uh, feel free to do so and we'll ask those uh, to Eric. But Kimberly is kind of blown away, much like Eric, I was the first time when you and I were just chatting and talking and you mentioned this and I'm like, what? Hold up, time out. Um, Kimberly says that, uh, you know, she's trying not to be in shock, but if she logged in just for this, then she's blessed uh, because she's seen it everywhere, including her training as a coach. So with that said, Eric, uh, how, how can teachers and coaches and other professional development uh, re, uh, resources, um, how, can, how can we teach teachers how to ask rigorous questions and using depth of knowledge correctly? Well, we need to question essentially what that wheel does and we need to know the research and we need to be able to read the research and understand it. You know, Webb's papers, a research paper, the original one, the 1997 one, he does have one called DOK2 in the four content areas that's really good. Karen Hess's work is excellent to read to familiarize yourself with depth of knowledge. In fact, what she describes depth of knowledge, and this is where I took with it, and I, and I got it in terms of context, depth of knowledge is not a taxonomy. It's not like Bloom's where you go from DOK1 to DOK2 to DOK3, DOK4, a DOK4 is better than a DOK1. That's not how it is. It's actually ceilings. A DOK1 tells you this is how far you're going with the learning experience. DOK2 tells you this is how far you go. DOK3 says this is how far you go. And DOK4 is this is how far you go. So it's really, again, about the context. Where are you going to take the kids with it? And that's how I designed my, I created my DOK context ceilings, in which I'll show you guys right now. Um, this is a graphic that's also in my book. And you might have seen this actually on the internet because I try to make this available and free for people because we, we can't have this misinformation out there. We can't have these kind of uh, graphics out there that are basically. Uh, misrepresenting something that we need to use as a resource to make sure that we're meeting the needs of our students, not only academically, but also um, social emotionally. So what I came up with based upon Dr. Webb's uh, research and also Karen Hess's work is I came up with this graphic and I call it the depth of knowledge model context ceilings. Whoops, and let's get that back here. Hang on. Let's Oh my, I just did a special effect on you. Okay. That was so, fun. All right. So this is what I call depth of knowledge context ceilings. And if you notice here, I have guiding questions that tell you what you need to be doing in terms of instructional experience. So if I'm doing a DOK1, a DOK1 is asking a student, what is the knowledge? It's asking a student to go and acquire and gather those, that idea, those ideas and information that they will need to process into deeper knowledge and thinking. So when you're doing a DOK1 learning experience, you're teaching academic vocabulary, you're teaching subject-specific terminology, you're teaching specific facts and details, or you might even having kids solve routine problems that are judged as correct or incorrect. A DOK2 is how can the knowledge be used? So now you've learned the facts, the concepts, and the procedures. Now what you're going to do is demonstrate and communicate how can that knowledge you've developed be used to answer questions, to address problems, to accomplish tasks, to analyze text and topics. A DOK3 
is strategic thinking. This is where you're having the kids think critically and strategically about how and why they can use what they've learned to attain and explain answers, outcomes, and results. And a DLK4 is how else can the knowledge be used? This is going to be an extended learning experience. This is where you're going to be doing your project-based learning. This is when you're going to be doing your real-world connections, your expeditionary learning, your service learning. So if you look at these questions here, these are going to be your guides in creating your instruction. And what I also did with it is I designed specific Webs DLK model context ceilings into four content areas. So if I was teaching math, if I was DLK, doing the DLK1, I would be asking, what is the math? That's when I'm asking, what is the concept? What are the terms? What does it mean? What is addition? What is subtraction? What is multiplication? What is a fraction? What is the concept of ratio? And what is rate language? A DLK2 is where I would present the question from the standard to ask, how can ratio and rate reasoning be used to solve mathematical real-world problems? And I may present it to kids with a number of questions and problems that they'll use as textual evidence to answer that question. So in a DLK1, they're solving the problem. And a DLK2, they're demonstrating, communicating, how can the problem be solved using what they've learned? The DLK3 is more strategic. What I used to do with DLK3 is I used to give the kids the answer and say, how and why is that answer accurate and inaccurate based upon what you've learned about the context? Or what if I reverse the numbers in an equation? What would happen to the answer? And the DLK4 in math would be real-world problems. This is where it would be, how could you use ratio and rate reasoning to plan a trip from one location to another and determine which is the best route to go? So you're looking at the speed limits to say, why is one route longer, but you'll get there quicker? Why is one route shorter, but it'll take a longer time? So do you see how it's scaffold it scaffolds? DLK does not scaffold as what Webb made it, but when I use it as context ceilings with these guided questions, that's where I have, you can scaffold it into a deeper learning experience. And these, well, Eric, Eric, just really quickly, one thing that I do see, and I just want to point out in, in your graphic, uh, when you pull it up, is that, you know, DOK4, the extended thinking in this mathematics uh, graphic right here, it's not asking the verbs that we've come to know and probably if you've been in education for any measure of time come to memorize as I have to see these words in my class or, or when I'm doing walkthroughs in classrooms to know that the teachers are are trying to ask rigorous questions. They're mm -hmm. the same how what questions uh, are starters of questions as the DOK1 or the DOK2. Right. Right. Well, see, that's the thing is that I'm not using verbs because verbs basically tell you to do something. If you use questions, you're asking kids to demonstrate and communicate the depth and extent of their learning. We need to have kids not just do the math, but be able to demonstrate and communicate or express and share how and why can the math be done and how and why the math can be used. That's going to teach them how to learn the math much deeper, and that's also going to allow them to synthesize the knowledge into personal knowledge or self-knowledge and self-awareness. So do you so, have these for each of the four core uh, subject areas? Yes, I do. So that's what this is math. This is what I designed for English language arts. When you're doing a DLK1 in English language arts, 
what you're essentially asking is, what is the text or topic about? You're asking the kids to explain what is the information presented in the text. DLK2 is how is the text or topic written? So that's where you're looking at craft and structure. You may be looking at the conventions of language, how the author uses craft and structure and convention of language to express and share ideas. This is where you're going to be doing literary analysis or you're going to be analyzing for persuasion or arguments. DLK3 is how and why is the text or topic written in that manner. So that's where you're talking about um, literary analysis or style analysis. What effect, what impact does, this, does the writing have on the reader? DLK4 is how else can text and topics be shared? That's where you're comparing multiple texts and topics made by the same author or in the same genre, and you're doing a analysis on how ideas and information can be expressed and shared in different formats and different styles, or also what kind of original text can you produce that's in a similar format or style or addresses a similar theme. So that's English language arts for that one. Um, I also have one for science. Science is very much like math. You're first defining what is the science. So you're having the kids describe and explain what are the facts, what are the concept procedures. Then you're asking kids in DOK2, how can the science be used to uh, answer uh, questions about a natural event or phenomena? DLK3 is where you're going to be doing a lot of your labs, where basically you're doing your experimentation. How and why can a science be used to explain a natural event or phenomena? And a DLK4 is what else can be done with the science? That's when you're doing a lot of your STEM activities. That's when you're going into engineering design. You're solving real world problems with science. And for social studies, social studies, <coughs> excuse me, social studies is a little more complex because Social studies is so text-based and factual-based, and we have to have kids thinking critically and creatively about those ideas and also thinking extensively about the impact and influence of these ideas. So when I do this with DOK, DOK1, you're recounting the facts. What is the history? What were the events, the ideas, the information? Who were the individuals? DOK2 is more of an explanation about how did it happen. DOK3 is what is the evidence that supports the ideas or the information, or the individuals and their historical impact. And DL, sorry, DLK3, DLK4 is what impact does the idea or, or individual or information or issue have on history and the present? So again, what I did with it was to make it simpler for teachers to use as an instructional tool, I use these guiding questions and I use them so they can also scaffold into deeper learning experiences. Wow. Wow. This just uh, blows me away. And, and I've seen this. You've been so gracious in sharing, uh, you know, one of these graphics or a couple of these with edgy gladiators. And but to hear you go through it again, um, man, how do we how do we turn the tide and and, and get folks back to asking the right questions? <laughs> Well, we need to do the reading behind it. You're given this document doesn't mean that basically the document is accurate. And you can even challenge what I produced. What I wanted to do is I wanted to produce a tool that really incorporated the research of both individuals who are leaders in depth of knowledge, John, uh, um, Norman Webb and uh, Karen Hess, and create that instructional tool. The thing is this, is that there's a lot of misinformation about depth of knowledge and also misconceptions that it's another way to do blooms. It's not. 
it's actually what's going to strengthen the levels of thinking that you're going to be doing in your classroom. So what I also designed for this is when it comes to cognitive rigor and the expectations of cognitive rigor, and I'll show you this graphic as well, is, let me just punch that up here. Hopefully we won't have some special effects here going on in the screen. <laughs> That's okay. I like special effects. I'm a Trekkie, so it's totally there fine. So in looking for this, looking at this, basically um, what I designed for defining what is cognitive rigor, and I did it in a way that would incorporate what we know about blooms, what we know about webs, what we know about even um, Beck and McCown and Marzano's language tiers. So I designed this grid here, this, this graphic, and you can get all these graphics at my website, uh, mavericueducation.com, www.mavericueducation.com. And essentially, this is how we should be structuring our, t our, our lesson planning using this. This is what cognitive rigor is. So if you notice, you have cognition, and this is the cognitive process domain of Bloom's. There's, instead of remember, I say recognize, and these are the question stems that will get kids to recognize. Understand, ask how and why. Apply is how does it work and how can it be used. Analyze is what is the reason, what is the relationship. Evaluate is what is the result and what if. And create is what can you design, develop, and do. You have the knowledge domain, that's your content, and that goes into factual, conceptual, procedural, metacognitive, but what John Walkup and Ben Jones, who work with Karen Hess on the Hess Matrix, they also came up with relevant, deep, and communicative. The context is DOK. So notice, that's the scenario. What is the knowledge? How can the knowledge be used to answer questions, address problems, accomplish tasks, and analyze texts and topics? How and why can that knowledge be used to attain and explain those answers, outcomes, results, and also, what else can be done with it and what can you do with it? And if you notice, I incorporated Beckham McCown and Marzano's language tier. So you have tier one, which is conversational, tier two, which are more abstract. That's where you would get the cognitive action verbs or the words that are used across the curriculum. And tier three is subject specific terminology. And if you wanna know what you're teaching with Blooms, you're teaching the skills here, that's the thinking, the knowledge, that's the cognitive process domain dimension. The stuff is the knowledge. That's the knowledge dimension. The scenario in which you're teaching it and presenting it to the students is depth of knowledge. And how they express and share it is Beckham account and Marzano's tears. And where you get this is the standards will tell you the level of thinking that you're asking the kids to demonstrate. The curriculum will tell you the type of knowledge that they are supposed to develop. The experience is what you create. So a DOK1 is when you're focusing on building content knowledge. You're focusing on building your academic vocabulary, subject-specific terminology, understanding the facts and ideas. DOK2 is how can I use that knowledge to answer these questions, to complete a task, to solve a problem. DOK3, you're basically explaining and defending why something, why you did something, or why something's inaccurate or accurate. And DOK4 is, what else can you do with it? And the language component of it is, how do you want the kids to express and share their, their learning? Do you want it to be conversational? Do you want it to be more academic? Do you want it to be more subject specific? I love this. I absolutely love it. Uh, 
and, and and just can't wait to I personally can't wait to listen to the replay of tonight's podcast because it's so much great information here um, and I know those that are watching those that are commenting uh, and those that might be watching the replay right now as well uh, if you are watching this and you walked away thinking the same way you do about DOK then uh, definitely definitely reach out to Eric reach out to myself so I can connect you with Eric <laughs> because this is a game changer. And, and Eric, I think it's important that we understand the research uh, by behind what we do each and every day. And I've always been a proponent of that, but I think it's easy for us to get caught up into, you know, we have to have test scores. We have to, you know, make sure kids have mastery according to our, our specific states. And, and so it's, and we get busy, you know, we get busy with the life of school and so we just kind of trust that whatever information either we see online or maybe even that we've been given from right. from our district offices is it has been vetted. Well, yeah. if, I also I think, you know, I've been talking really technical about a lot of stuff. And, you know, I sometimes we, we get so academic and talk. So let's talk about a way about depth of knowledge that really can be easily understood. And I have a graphic for that. I actually call it and I'm going to go punch it up for you right now. Please. I a blog about this. I don't know if you, you read it yet. I call it, let's make a DOK, okay? So with DOK, what I do is I try to say that the instructional experience are similar to certain game shows. So when you're doing DOK 1 teaching and learning, you're treating the students like they're on millionaire, well, who wants to be a millionaire in jeopardy. Think about the questions that are asked. Most of them are straightforward, correct, or incorrect. And Jeopardy, you're always phrasing who, what, where, and when questions. That's when you're doing DOK1s. DOK2s is when you're doing things similar to Hell's Kitchen and Top Chef. Now, if you watch those shows, what happens is these, these people have built up their knowledge and skills. They're, they know their stuff. They have the skills. And now they're using the skills to complete a task, to solve a problem, to address a question. DOK3 is if you are on Survivor or The Apprentice. Your tasks may be DOK2 in which you're completing something, but strategically you have to defend why you did what you did and also defend that you're right in what you decided. And a DOK4, essentially, that's where students would be on Shark Tank. They have taken what they've learned, they see there's a problem, and they figure out a way how in their own unique way that they can solve that problem using not only their thinking, but their talent, and come up with something that will address a real world problem. So if I, when I would design DOK learning experiences, this is what I think about. I think about DOK1, okay, what if you were on Millionaire, who wants to be a millionaire or Jeopardy? DOK2, it's as if you were participating on Hell's Kitchen Top Chef. DOK3, strategically, you're trying to outwit, outplay, outlast, and also um, overcome whatever you're doing and also defend it and be able to win the whole game. And DOK4, that's where you really get into that design thinking and project-based learning and personalization. That's awesome. And that really helped me just now kind of take in everything that you were saying about uh, the different levels of, of DOK and what it truly means. And I think the game shows as an analogy was very helpful to me. Uh, Kimberly is Kimberly's so excited right now. <laughs> 
Kimberly, thank you so much for your support uh, and for your comments as well. I feel the same way. Uh, Eric, Kimberly says just a, a huge kudos to you for um, for sharing all of these amazing graphics. She can't wait to uh, take these things and this conversation back to to her her group in in Hawaii and uh, with her coaches there. Um, because this is this is how we make change. I mean, part of being an edgy gladiator and part of ushering in this new era of leadership, uh, student engagement and also advocacy is this right here. Uh, not being afraid to have these these awesome, amazing conversations uh, to push our thinking, to push our understanding of of how we've done things uh, and then to lock arms with each other and figure out the best way to have some course corrections so we can do what's absolutely best for our kids because that's what we're here for is for our kids and, and making sure that they are truly equipped and ready, uh, not just for a test, but for life for, to be successful and whatever goals or dreams that they might have. So Eric, again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for tonight's um, chat. I, I have a feeling that we're going to have a part two to this. I hope you don't mind, but I would love it. I would love it. And in fact, um, if people wanted to contact me about this, I can put up my contact information if that's okay. I would love uh, that. Yes. So this is uh, this is essentially me, and I'll put this up here on the screen real quick. And let's see, screen share because I, I would love to hear from people. And and you can you read about this in my book. And in fact, that chapter about for my book that is on it's online on ASED.org where you can read about depth of knowledge with questioning, and. This here is actually a slide I just presented. It's the last slide I presented at which um, I just presented at the California Association for the Gifted Conference. This is my contact information here. You can uh, call me or you can go to www.mavericeducation.com or email me at maverick at mavericeducation.com. No C's, just my name. And my Twitter handle is maverickcrq. And I'm gonna give your uh, viewers this. This link up here, http.tinyurl.com slash D-O-K-C-A-G. If you go to that link, you will be able to access these files, um, what you saw tonight, along with other uh, posters I've created, and you can turn those into posters and instructional resources in your room. Wow. Thank you so much. Uh, those of you that are watching live, watching the replay, um, again, this is the power of being a connected educator uh, because you get to tap into the expertise of others uh, in your group. And I'm so, so glad, uh, Eric, that, that you are here tonight with us. For those of you that don't know, Eric is actually part of our core warriors here at EduGladiators. So we get to talk often. I get to pick his brain quite a bit, and it's only helped me to be able to grow. And as I uh, continue to support and speak, I, I want to make sure that I'm speaking about the right thing. So I really appreciate you, Eric, coming on tonight and for being part of Edu Gladiators. Thanks. And you know I have to end everything. I showed you today what I end my thing. Can I play yes. for everybody? Yes, you can. <laughs> All right. So now, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've got a lot of depth and knowledge of this, but I want you hopefully to be feeling this way after this experience. <laughs> and knowing is half the battle. <laughs> You're aging yourself now, Eric. Come on, we're supposed to be 28 forever. <laughs> I know, hey, but you know, look, my company's name's Maverick. So, you know, <laughs> you can tell I'm a child of the 80s. And Absolutely.
when I go out in public, people go, you're Maverick. And my kids are like, oh, dad, you're loveness. And that's why I put on my aviators and go, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And you know, my one of my favorite quotes by Maya Angelou is, when you know better, you do better. And mm -hmm. there is no way that anyone watching this podcast, again, whether live or the replay, that you uh, should not be doing better when it comes to questioning, when it comes to understanding DOK, when it comes to engaging your students and also connecting with other educators in your school and helping them have a better understanding of what the DOK really is about and how to make sure that you're addressing your students' needs uh, as they need to be. So again, thank you, Eric. Uh, for those of you that are keeping up with our chats on Saturdays, if not, you definitely need to be because for the month of March, we've started a new series as we do each and every month. And this month's series are the four C's of success. Last week, we dove into creativity as one of the four C's. And this Saturday, we are diving into critical thinking. So uh, I'm sure that we'll see a question, one of, our, one of our questions for Saturday's chat from Eric here as it pertains to DOK, uh, because that's what it's about, critically thinking uh, and not just using technology, but other resources as well. So definitely want you to join us this Saturday, 10.30 a.m. Central Standard Time, 11.30 uh, AM Eastern Standard Time as Edgy Gladiators chats about critical thinking as one of the four C's of success. Eric, thank you so much.